Please stand. We make our beginning this morning in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Beloved in the Lord, let us draw near with a true heart, and confess our sins unto God our Father, beseeching him, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, to grant us forgiveness. Our help is in the name of the Lord. I said I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord. Almighty God, merciful Father. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, has had mercy upon us and has given his only Son to die for us, and for his sake he forgives us all of our sins. So then, in the stead and by the command of our Lord Jesus Christ, I therefore forgive you all of your sins. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Like newborn infants long for the spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up to salvation. O oh, give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, Make known his deeds among the peoples. sing to him, sing praises to him, tell all his wondrous works, glory in his holy name, let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice, seek the Lord and his strength, seek his presence continually, remember the wondrous works that he has done, his he remembers his covenant forever. The word that he commanded for a thousand generations. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Like newborn infants, long for the spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up to salvation.
Lord be with you. Let us pray. Almighty God, grant that we who have celebrated the Lord's resurrection may by your grace confess in our life and conversation that Jesus is Lord and God, through the same Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. The Old Testament reading today is Psalm 148. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights above. Praise him. All his angels praise him. All of his heavenly hosts praise him. Sun and moon praise him. All you shining stars. Praise him, you highest heavens and you waters above the sky. Let them praise the name of the Lord. For he commanded and they were created. He set them in place forever and ever. He gave a decree that will never pass away. Praise the Lord from the heaven, you great sea creatures and all you ocean depths, lightning and hail, snow and clouds, stormy winds that do his bidding, you mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, wild animals and all cattle, small creatures and flying birds, kings of the earth and all nations, you princes and all rulers of earth, young men and maidens, old men and children. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. His splendor is above the earth and the heavens. He has raised up from the people a horn, the praise of all his saints, of Israel, the people close to his heart. Praise the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. We continue with the gradual. Christ has risen from the dead. He has given him dominion over the works of his hands.
Beautiful peace ringers. Thank you very, very much. It's now time for all the young disciples who are here today to come forward for the children's message. Now is a good time to bring up your mighty mites as well. You guys can turn around and face me. Hey, how are we today? Good. Okay. Everybody get lots of Easter candy? Did you drive your parents nuts? Parents? Yeah, uh-huh. Okay, that's what I thought. Okay. Um, I have a question for you today. We're going to be talking about, it was actually quite fitting that Miss Carol was playing the song, Jesus Loves Me. Um, we're going to be talking about God's love for us today in the sermon. And I have a question for you. How do you know what God's love feels like? How do you know what God's love feels like? Cordell? Through the Bible? That's, that, one's, that one's good, okay. How else might you know how, what God's love feels like? Or what God's love is like? Keenan? Through devotions? Good, okay. Anybody else? Cohen? That he loved us? Good, yeah. Okay, all of those things are correct. What we're going to be talking about today is how we can go about explaining something that is really quite unexplainable. The Bible says that God's love for us is so indescribable, so incredible, so amazing that it surpasses all that our minds can do. It says that it surpasses all human understanding. How many of you have things in your life that you don't understand? I do. I have lots of things in my life. When I was your age, one of those things was math, and I still don't get it. Okay? There are just some things that go beyond our understanding. But what we have to help us understand that is we have his word. Okay? We have the sacraments that he gives to us through baptism and through communion. 
We also have some really neat and wonderful stories in the Bible which give us examples, right, of what God's love for us is like. So I want you to listen carefully, okay, as we talk about what some of those things, things are, okay? We will put your hands together and repeat after me. Dear Jesus, thank you for your indescribable love for me. We love you, Lord. Amen. Thanks for coming up. You guys can go back and sit with your folks. The epistle reading today is from 1 John chapters 1 and 2. The word of life. That which we have from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at, and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. <clears throat> the life appeared, and it was seen and testified to. We proclaim to you that the eternal life, which was with the Father, has appeared to us. We proclaim to you that we have seen and heard, so that you may also have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. Walking in the light, this is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not believe the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his Son, purifies us all from sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, and his word has no place in our lives. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense, Jesus Christ, the Righteous One. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also the sins of the whole world. This is the word of the Lord. Gospel according to St. John, the 20th chapter. <clears throat> now Thomas, called Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands... And put my finger where the nails were, put my hand into his side, I will not believe it. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. 
Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written, that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. This is the Gospel of our Lord. Our sermon hymn today is number 548 in the Lutheran service book. Thanks to thee, O Christ victorious. Would you all pray with me, please? Dear Lord, may the meditations of our hearts and the words of my mouth be pleasing in your sight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Grace, mercy, and peace be yours this morning from God our Father and through the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. My grandmother, my, my father's mom, was a very quirky lady. I remember very vividly that on her refrigerator, which I don't think she ever changed out from the time that I first went into that house to the time that she eventually passed away, she had the same one, she always had different things that were on her fridge. Some of those things would be 
pictures of her kids or her grandkids, and some of them were some of these really interesting little snippets of paper that I'm sure that people gave to her. And on one of these snippets of paper, I remember exactly where it was. It was on the right side of the refrigerator because every time that I would go to the kitchen sink, which is right behind it, to wash my hands, I would turn around to dry my hands, and there was this piece of paper. And perhaps some of you have seen this kind of this funny poem before. It's called God is Like. Okay? And this is what it said. I, I did not have the original, so I, I had to Google it, but, it but, but this is pretty close. It says, God is like Coke. He's the real thing. God is like General Electric. He lights your path. God is like Bear Aspirin. He works wonders. God is like Hallmark cards. He cares enough to send the best. God is like Tide detergent. He gets the stains out. God is like Sears. He has everything. Or maybe for us today, it's Amazon. God is like Alka-Seltzer. Try him. You'll like him. God is like Scotch tape. You can't see him, but you know he's there. And finally, my personal favorite, God is like VO5 hairspray. He holds through all kinds of weather. <laughs> I wouldn't know now, of course, but apparently that's how it went. Now, obviously, this is not something, this is a very nice and a funny sort of poem, but not something that we want to base our faith in or our theology about God in. But it does sort of raise an interesting question. How do you explain something that is really unexplainable? Just like I asked the kids that were up here just a minute ago, I asked you and I the same question. How do you know what God's love is like? And how do you know what God's love feels like? Have you ever seen something? Have you ever witnessed something where as you were watching it, you couldn't believe what you were seeing? And then when you tried later to go on and explain it to somebody else afterwards, you couldn't quite get it right because really what you saw had to be seen in order to really understand it. And so how do you explain it? How do you explain something that is really unexplainable. How do you explain something that, as God's word says, is beyond anything that our minds can do? The peace of God that transcends everything that our minds are capable of doing. How do we know that and how do we explain that? Perhaps a good place to begin with this explanation is to explain what God is not like. There are many things that God is not like, but I came up with three of them. The first one is this. God is not your yes man. He's not mine either. Make no mistake about it, God still hates your sin. He doesn't just gloss over the little ones. The ones that you think are sort of insignificant. He doesn't sort of gloss over and think, oh, well, it's okay. I love you. It's fine. No. 
He doesn't just automatically say, well, yeah, this is okay when you know, and he certainly knows, that what you're doing or what you're about to do is wrong. It is against the standard of perfection. That as we have said before, has not left. It has not gone anywhere. Just because we are celebrating Easter doesn't mean that Christ's death is meaningless. That somehow the Ten Commandments are just not really as important. No. The standard for you and I is still perfection. God does not gloss over anything. Not the big sins and certainly not the small ones. The second thing that God is not like, or at least one of the other ways that God is not like. God is not the reason why evil things happen. God is not the reason why things like 9-11 happen, and God is not the reason why shootings at school happen, and all these really terrible events that we have. He is not the cause of it. Do not let anybody confuse you. Do not let anybody trap you because they will try to, that those who do not believe will say something similar to this. Well, if God was such a loving God, then how could he allow this to happen? The answer to that is really very simple. You're, you're asking the wrong question. Because the question that we should be asking is, how is it that we messed up so badly that this is happening now? The evil in this world, we have only ourselves to blame, specifically sin at large. God is not the reason why evil things happen, but God will, I promise you, take those evil things and use them for his good. Because that's what his word says, that's what his word promises. That he can take anything, even sin, and make it into something good for him and his kingdom. And finally, this one, and let me finish before you try to stop me. God is not love. At least not in the way that the world thinks he is. This kind of goes back to the first one that we talked about. That God is not our yes man. God is love. The, the Bible, 1 John specifically, is very, very clear about that. But do not try to justify your sin by saying, well, God is love. It doesn't work like that. I've heard that too many times. I've read that too many times. Well, God is love, therefore my lifestyle is okay. God is love, therefore... It's okay if I mess up every now and then, but, but I do mostly good things because God is love, and so he loves me. It doesn't work like that. God is not love, not in the way that the world says he is. God is love because of that and that. The cross. That's how God is is love. We, we had a great discussion in the adult Bible class this morning, kind of about this very topic, about how much that God loves us as, as a groom loves his bride. 
He is the groom. We as the, we as the church are his bride. And how he sent the very best of what he had, his own son, to purify her, to make her clean, to make her whiter than snow, to take all of the darkness and the evil that circulates in our hearts and in our minds and in the hearts and the minds of this world, and he took all of that, and in love, he took it upon himself, and he crucified it there. Why? Because God is not okay with sin, folks. He's not. He never has been. He never will be. God is love because he sent his son, Jesus, to be crucified for our imperfections and for the evil and the rottenness of this world. Though there are good things in this world, to be sure. So, I go back to the original question. What is his love for us like? How do you explain something that, as the Bible says, surpasses all that our minds can do? Well, I think as Cordell said first, really we need look no further than Scripture. God's love is like when our first parents, Adam and Eve, sinned, and they in effect, caused all of this evil that we have in this world to happen. A part of that story that, there, that, that a lot of folks either gloss over or when they read it, they don't really think about it because the moment that that happened, Adam and Eve realized that they are naked and they are ashamed to be naked. And so what does God do? He clothes them and he gives them coverings. That's what God's love is like. God's love is also like a reconciliation between brothers. You will remember that two brothers, Jacob and Esau, Jacob steals the birthright with the help of his own mother, and in fear and terror, he runs away from his brother because he thinks that Esau is out to get him. And then finally, the day of reckoning happens... Jacob has no other choice than to go out to his brother and to plead with him for his forgiveness. And do you remember how the story ends? Esau runs to him, throws his arms around him, and they kiss each other and they hug, and all is forgiven. They are reconciled. And Esau goes, goes beyond, goes above and beyond anything. And it says, here, you, got, you come with me now. You come and be a part of my family now. That's what God's love is like. God's love is like a reminder of how to live as a child of God. Contrary to popular opinion, God did not give the Ten Commandments to hold us down. He didn't give us the Ten Commandments just so that we would find ten different ways to fail him. And then he could be waiting there right there and said, see, ha, I told you. He gave them the Ten Commandments so that they would have a reminder of what it looks like to live as his people. So that they would never forget it. He says, he says I, I, you, you are to put these as frontlets on your heads. 
and to put them on your hands. When you wake up and when you lie down, they are to be there. Not, not so that he can find ways to sort of catch us and say, ha, gotcha. But so we knew how to live as God's people. What that looked like and what that is. God's love is like writing an entire book on love, which we think has to do with a man and his wife. The Song of Solomon, a book that is very rarely read and a book that is very rarely looked at. We never read it, read it here. But that book, if you've ever read through that book, it's an, it's an intense book. And it should be. Because that book is all about how much he loves you. And how much that he cares for you. What his feelings like you as his bride are. I encourage you to read it. God's love is like sending people to remind us to live as his people. The prophets were sent for one specific purpose. Jeremiah and Ezekiel and Isaiah and Daniel and Micah and Malachi and Amos and Habakkuk and all of them, where they were all sent for a specific purpose, to get his people to repent of the ways in which they were living and to turn back to God. And sometimes these prophets had such a difficult time that they had nothing left to do other than to cry. Jeremiah is known as the weeping prophet because that's what he did a lot. He was so frustrated and so saddened by what he saw and by the fact that he felt like his efforts were not getting anywhere that he cried. And so God continues to send his people forth with pastors and Sunday school teachers and choir directors and youth ministers and DCEs and teachers over in our school, he continues to send these and more to tell his people about his love for them. That's what God's love is like. It's like God himself coming to live with us. It's like God making himself less than what he is, which is the creator of the cosmos who knows where the snow is kept, knows where the thunder comes from, knows where the wind comes from, and made himself like you and I. To be tempted in every way that you and I are. To suffer in every way and more than you and I are, than you and I do. It's like God coming himself to die for us. To be crucified. Greater love has no man than this, he says, that he should lay down his life for his friends. Indeed, what a friend we have in Jesus. It's like God coming back to life for us. As we said last week, if, if there is no Easter, then Good Friday is certainly not good. If there is no resurrection then we have no hope. And, and the faith that you and I carry, the faith that brought us here today, it is futile and is in vain. But, as Paul said, and as Paul says, Christ has been risen from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. 
It's like Isaiah 49, 16, a passage that I came across this, this last week that I had, had not read before. It's, God's love is like this, where he says, See, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. Your names are engraved on his hands. That's amazing. That's what God's love is like. Your names, your name and mine is engraved on his hands. Your walls are ever before me. It's like Psalm 148, verse 14, if you look at that last verse of your Old Testament lesson with me. Psalm 148, verse 14. It says, He has raised up for his people a horn, the praise of all his saints of Israel, the people close to his heart. You are close to the heart of God. His living, beating heart beats for you and for me. And finally, God's love is, is like baptizing a, a baby even though they can't talk. I love what Luther says about this because I, I think what he says is the end-all, be-all of this entire debate about should we baptize babies or not. He, he says this, and I'm going to paraphrase. I don't care if the baby believes or not. I don't care. And I'll tell you why. He says the reason why is because baptism is based on God's word and command. He tells us to baptize all nations. He tells us that baptism saves. He tells us that this promise is for you and your children. He tells us these things. It doesn't matter if the person believes. It doesn't matter if the baby believes or not, which we know that they do, by the way. But, but for Luther, it doesn't matter. Why? Because it is all based upon God's word and his promises and what he commands. You do not have to understand God's love in order for him to love you. As a matter of fact, I don't want to be loved by a God whose love that I can comprehend here. I want it to be bigger than anything that I can ever possibly dream or imagine. I want it to be so huge and so large and so beyond anything that I can possibly think of. Because I'm going to need, because I know that I need every bit of it. Every bit of it. And so do you. And so does everybody outside of these walls. Look at the Gospel of John with me, that Gospel text that is in your bulletin. It's probably my favorite passage in all of Scripture. Beginning at verse 30, Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples which are not recorded in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. If you want to know what God's love is like, even though you can't completely comprehend it to its fullest, 
if you want to know what God's love feels like, go to his word. Witness, every time that somebody here is baptized, we are doing it because God commands it, because God has told us to. Witness that every time that you partake of his supper, you know what it tastes like. You know what God's love tastes like. You know what it smells like. You know what it feels like. God's love for you. And so, yeah, we may not be able to completely and fully and with all of the glory and honor that it is due, we may not be able to fully be able to explain what God's love is like, but thank God I think that we can't. Because it is so much bigger and so much grander and so much more wonderful than anything that you or I could ever possibly imagine. But he gives us things. He gives us certain things, his word and his sacraments for which to show us what his love is like. It's the exact reason why we have a a cross here in our sanctuary. It's the exact reason why so many churches across this entire world have crosses on, on the insides of their sanctuaries and on the outside of their buildings because that is what God's love is like. Jesus Christ crucified, died, buried, risen again three days later for you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please stand. We now say together the words of our Christian faith, and we do so using the Apostles' Creed as it is found printed in the back cover of your hymnal. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead, ascended to heaven, and sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life of the last Amen. Please be seated. At this time, we will gather our tithes and offerings. Now would be a good time, whether you are a member or a guest with us, to please fill out the sign-in book, the red book that is on one of the sides of the pews. Those who receive it on the windows, please send it back to the aisles. With that, we collect our tithes and offerings.
And we want to thank Betty Sawyer and Carol McIntyre for that, that piano duet to enhance our worship today. Our prayers this morning we have a few folks that we want to remember first of all for those on our health list for melvin mccord nancy mcroberts ella Kleibaker, flora overman landreth worm erna shane janice meyer myron reed carol mcintyre orrin fritz ethel helmkamp dan and joan haynes addison trokey steve doss becky morgan wayne towers lauren barnes Alan Mullen and Bob Dotson, Alice Helmkamp, Bob and Linda Yelinek, and for Dorothy Helms. We also celebrate with Elmer and Nellie Selwagen, who will celebrate 66 years of marriage on April the 13th, and also for Maxine Seninger, who will celebrate 85 years of life on April the 10th. We go to our Lord in prayer. <clears throat> Dear Lord, we thank you that we do not have to understand how you love us or why you love us for you to love us. In fact, thank you that we cannot understand it, because if we could, it would not be big enough for what we need. Help us as your people to live out this love for us as we love one another. Lord, in your mercy. Dear Father, remember your church throughout the world and strengthen all of your baptized people to be bold witnesses of our Lord's resurrection. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, to your care and protection, we commend all of our elected officials and all who serve us in our armed forces. Grant them wisdom and honor as they carry out their responsibilities. Lord, in your mercy. Heavenly King, your Son promised that he does not break the bruised reed or quench the dimly burning wick. Remember in mercy all who struggle with the darkness of doubt and despair, and bring to their hearts the peace of your Son's resurrection victory. Lord, in your mercy. O Lord, our healer, we commend to you all who are suffering, whether it be physically, spiritually, or emotionally. 
We, Lord, especially remember before you all those who are on our health list. Lord, for all those whom we name before you in our hearts now. Lord, grant to them your peace that they may bear their sufferings with patience as they await your gracious healing. Lord, in your mercy. Father, too, we especially give you thanks for all those who are celebrating birthdays and anniversaries this week, especially for Elmer and for Nellie upon celebrating their 66th anniversary. We pray to you that by your Spirit you would enable them to remain faithful to each other and to the vows that they have made. Uplift them in their love for one another, and especially their love for you. Also, Lord, we give you thanks for Maxine, who has a birthday this week. Thank you, Lord, for sustaining her in life to this day, and we pray that your face would shine upon her each and every day of this next year. Lord, in your mercy. Gracious Lord of every good, your Son has set before his people a feast of love, a table where he serves us his own body and blood for the forgiveness of our sins. Grant that we may receive this gift in a worthy manner, that this supper may bring forth an abundance of good fruit for your reign. Lord, in your mercy. Everlasting one, receive our thanks this, this day for all who have fallen asleep in faith in Jesus. Bring us to share with them the joys of the feast that never ends. Lord, in your mercy. Into your hands, O Lord, we commend all for whom we pray, trusting in your mercy through your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. And so, people of God, the Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks unto the Lord, our God. It is truly meet, right, and salutary that we should at all times and in all places Give thanks to you, Holy Lord, Almighty Father, everlasting God, and most especially are we bound to praise you on this day for the glorious resurrection of your Son, Jesus Christ, the very Paschal Lamb, who was sacrificed for us and bore the sins of the world. By his dying he has destroyed death, and by his rising again he has restored to us, restored to us everlasting life. Therefore, with Mary Magdalene, Peter and John, and with all the witnesses of the resurrection, with angels and archangels, and with all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify your glorious name, and we will praise you and sing you. Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. 
Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. The Lord's Supper is God's gift for Christians who are properly taught. In communion, we want people to receive Christ's body and blood for their good. This means that as you come to the Lord's table, you affirm with each communicant that Jesus is your Savior and Lord, and with Lutheran Christians, you confess. I recognize and confess that I am a sinner. I repent of my sin and ask God's forgiveness. I believe that Jesus Christ is my only Lord and Savior from sin, Satan, and death. I believe that the risen Christ is really present in the sacrament and under the form of the bread and wine. I receive his true body and blood for the forgiveness of my sins and the strengthening of my faith and life. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat. This is my body which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. In the same way also we took the cup after supper, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them and said, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. The peace of the Lord be with you always. Christ, welcome to the
first of our distribution hymns is number 411 in the Lutheran service book, I Want to Walk as a Child of the Light.
second of our distribution hymns is number 570 in the Lutheran Service Book, Just As I Am, Without One Plea. Number 570. 
Please stand. And now may this, our Savior's body and blood, strengthen and preserve you in the one true faith until life that is everlasting. Depart in his peace and joy. Amen. to the Lord, for he is good. Let us pray. We give thanks to you, Almighty God, that you have refreshed us in this salutary gift, and we implore you that of your mercy that you would strengthen us through the same, in faith towards you, and in fervent love toward one another. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. The Lord be with you. Bless we the Lord. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with his favor and give you his peace. Closing hymn today is our Lutheran service book number 821, verses 4 and 5.
continue this worship service from Trinity Lutheran Church in Freistadt, Missouri. We pray that you have benefited spiritually from this service and invite you to worship with us next Sunday morning at 10 a.m. If you are not able to be with us in person, we invite you to listen by means of this broadcast on www.christatradio.com. We commend you to the loving care of our gracious Heavenly Father. May His love surround you and His mercy be evident to you in all things. guests and visitors today. We're very glad that you were here to worship with us. We pray that your time here was a blessed one. Uh, just a reminder that the council meeting is at 1 o'clock, and I pray that all of you would have a very, very blessed uh, second week of Easter in Him.